what would have been some of your internal reactions? Kind of like all kinds of mixed reactions. You might think she's a little bit presumptuous to say that. You might think Will must be boring. <laughs> right? I mean, think about it. When you, if you were to describe, for those of you who are uh, married or those of you dating somebody, if you were to describe the person you're dating or your spouse or one of your kids or whatever, well, they're holy. You'd get all kinds of interesting reactions from people, wouldn't you? And they probably wouldn't even tell you. They'd just be spinning their head like, what in the world is that all about? Should we want to be holy? I'm not advocating we use that word a bunch. But what does it mean to be holy? And why do we often have perceptions that holy means something maybe not desirable in the way that we often feel that in our culture today? Um, What we've been doing is, put that slide up there with, we've been talking about John 13 to 17, which is basically Thursday night, the, the Thursday night Jesus was betrayed, uh, and then, of course, he was then tortured and crucified, and then he rose from the dead a few days later. But Thursday night, for those five chapters, it's Jesus with his disciples. He's having the Passover meal, which is a regular religious meal. They're in Jerusalem. It's something they do every year. They're sitting down. They've gone through the protocol of the, of the Passover meal, meal celebrating God's people being set free from Egypt. So they've gone eating the lamb and the unleavened bread and the wine and all these things. And it's been, a, it's been a long night, a celebration. Jesus, remember, this is when he started the celebration, that Passover meal, by washing his disciples' feet, which was not part of the protocol of the meal. Jesus went out way outside of the script. He did things only lowlifes are supposed to do. So the whole night is a different kind of night. But then he, if you remember from the last few months, we've talked about a lot of things he said during this evening time. Things that the disciples, they didn't know what was coming next. He did. They didn't know, but Jesus is giving them kind of this last charge. I mean, he, they see them again after his resurrection, but he's packing in kind of following Jesus 101 all in this night about what it means. At one point toward the end of the meal, the meal's over. They've kind of, he've had, he's talking to them about quite a few things. But at one point he, in John 17, go to the next slide, he actually prays. Um, And in that culture, if you were to pray, whoever's praying often did it like this, looking up into heaven. So he's talking to them, and then he breaks into a prayer. So I don't know if he said, let's pray. I don't know if he told the guys to bow their heads and close their eyes. I don't know, you know. But they often would pray this way. In John 17, if you have a chance to read, it's one entire prayer. That Jesus is talking to the Father on on these guys' behalf, and literally on our behalf. But this this is midway through his prayer. And this is what he says. Now I'm coming to you. And he's talking to Father. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world but to keep them safe from the evil one. Remember we talked about that a few weeks ago. What does it mean that Jesus wants to keep us safe from the evil one? They do not belong to the world any more than I do. Make them holy. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be, what? Say it with me. Made holy by your truth. All right? Obviously highlighting, make them holy. All right? Jesus is praying not just for them, but he's praying for us 
And one of the prayers of Jesus for you and for me and for the person sitting next to you and in front of you and behind you is that you would be made holy. All right, we're going to unpack a little bit. What does that mean? Because Jesus seems to, that's among the handful of things he asks God to do for these, his disciples, and us, his disciples, is one of the things he says, Father, would you make them holy? All right, so here's the phrase, make them holy. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that means and how that fleshes out for you and me today and things like that. All right, and so the word holy literally means set apart. All right, so uh, it's the same word we get our word saint, like St. Thomas, St. John, or when the Bible writes, this is to the saints in Bloomington, Indiana. It's the holy ones. Or the word sacred, the word sanctified, all those come from the same root word. Sacred, sanctified, holy, saint. And it literally means set apart. And it has the sense of you're taken out of one realm, you leave one thing behind, and you're set apart for something different. All right? So that's why I have, you know, the white box and the yellow box. You, you, you leave something behind and you're set apart for a service of something else. And in the sense of Scripture, what that means is you, you, we leave something behind and we're set apart for service to God and service to others. All right? So when you think of the word saint or sanctified or in this case holy, what God is saying, what Jesus is asking here in this case is, God, will you set them apart? Would you, would you take them out of one way of living and set them apart in a whole new way of living? All right? So that's the whole idea of set apart. All right? Just say that with me. Set apart. One, two, three. Set apart. All right? So we're to be set apart. We're to be different. We're to be taken from one way of thinking about life into another way of thinking about life in the midst of a world that doesn't always think that way. All right? Now, here's the problem that most of us run into, and this is what I was commenting about with Will and Teresa, and often why we would raise our eyebrows if someone even, if someone described themselves or someone else as holy. Here's typically, go to the next slide. Here's typically what we think the word holy means. When you hear the word holy, we often think negatively, pious, celibate, and dull. Right? All right apart from me, you may, you may put Billy Graham or Mother Teresa, they're holy. But anybody else, if somebody used that word, we would think, well, it's kind of pious, it's kind of celibate, kind of dull, kind of bland. Like, who wants to be that? And anti-creative, anti-enjoyment, anti-sex, religious, stoic, cold, passive, self-righteous, sanctimonious, and stuffy. Sanctimonious, by the way, I looked this up on dictionary.com. It means kind of a hypocritical self-righteousness. All right, Pharisees. I mean, we can, I, we can all be that way, right? So when we, in, in the holder than now, that's kind of what we think about if somebody says, well, I'm, he's a holy person. We often think of these kind of negative connotations. Kind of, who, who wants to be that? I mean, who wants to be holy? Because it sounds like a pretty dull kind of way of living. It sounds kind of flat and two-dimensional. It's not three-dimensional. It's not 3D. It's black and white. It's flat. And so we've, we've been cultured to believe or to kind of react that the word holy kind of has this not real desirable, it's for those special people. I mean, Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, you know, Martin Luther, whoever else, they can be holy, but come on, I mean, we're like ordinary people, and who wants, who, who thinks we even could be holy, and if we could, do we want to be? I mean, so I want you to take that understanding of holy 
out of your mind, and I want you to sh- push it off to the side. And let me, let me posit a new definition for you. Holy, in the truest biblical sense, means someone who is alive, awake, and free. All right, say that with me. Alive, awake, and free. One more time. Alive, awake, and free. It means some, this, this, this is a good definition. Supernaturally, a supernaturally dangerous person. When you think about things in the Old Testament that were said that it was holy or God was holy, there was a supernaturally threatening element to that. They said, and when God would say, don't even come close to the mountain. Or Moses, take your shoes off because you're standing on holy ground. And the sense was, if you don't, if you don't respect the set-apartness of this, there's some kind of supernaturally threatening, kind of fearful, awesome, in a good kind of way, awesome kind of reality. So a holy person is supernaturally threatening, supernaturally dangerous, but good. A holy person is complete, whole, powerful, and pure. And we'll see this in a second here from the book of Acts even. Holy people provoke awe, wonder, and fear. All right? Now, I look at that and I think, that's the kind of person I want to be. And my guess is most of you would think that too. I'd love to be alive awake and free because what Jesus is asking for his disciples for you and me is father would you make them alive awake and free alive to you awake to the reality of what you're doing in the world and free from being slaves to their own desires all right say that one more time alive awake and free alive awake and free now go to the next slide when the word holy comes up I want all of you to say Alive, awake, and free. All right? I'll read the verse. I'll stop at the word holy, and you say alive, awake, and free. The same passage we just read. All right? This is Jesus praying. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them alive, awake, and free. By your truth. Teach them your word, with this, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a alive, awake, and free. sacrifice for them so that they can be made by your truth. That's the kind of person I want to be. Alive, awake, and free. Now, what I'm going to talk about next, you know, one of the things, not, not all of you know my wife well, but those of you who do may know this, but she, she always will ask me, and used to bug me when I was early on in ministry, she said, what does that look like? I mean, I would go over my sermons with her, and she'd say, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? And I was like, I don't know. Just, it, it sounds really good. <laughs> and we actually had some tension earlier on our message, and I just stopped talking to her about my sermons ahead of time because I figured she was going to criticize it about something. Because she would always say, okay, but to, show, to me, show me what that looks like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. What does an alive, awake, and free person look like? All right? Let's go to the book of Acts to see that, because Acts, you remember, was... The group of people, go to the next slide. Here's what I'm saying. We, we talked about reading the book of Acts. We've been doing this thing, pour out your spirit, and I go to the next one. The book of Acts. Now, Acts, the book of Acts gets its name from the Acts, Acts of the Apostles. And I'm just going to call it this, the historical account of the actions of ordinary people who are being made holy, alive, awake, and free. So this is like seven to eight, nine, ten weeks later, and then a little bit beyond, of these same ordinary disciples sitting with Jesus 
who Jesus is asking the Father to make them holy, the book of Acts, we start to see what holy people look like, what they do, how they act, how they respond, what they don't do. All right? Let me just go through, we're going to leave this slide up here. Let me just go through some things from the book of Acts. Let's talk about first what, what do holy people look like. Um, one of the things, and if you've been around the last few weeks, you've heard me say this, it blows me away how bold these people were. How bold they were in talking about Jesus. How they didn't, they didn't, they weren't, they were no longer concerned about what others thought about them. They were no longer concerned about being labeled weird or strange. You know, the day of Pentecost, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit and started doing some supernatural things, people mocked them and they didn't care. So boldness is one of the things that holy, you know, you see, you see boldness all throughout. The one, the one passage where I said in the book of Acts where the, the, the apostles are flogged, they're literally, their backs are ripped up because they talk about Jesus. And then it says the very next day they go out and do it again. They go out and preach again. That's holy. That's holy. That's boldness. Then you, then you read in the book of Acts how generous the body was toward one another. How anybody that was in need, others who had more, took care of those. There was an incredible generosity about them. They took care of one another. They sold things they owned to help out other people. I mean, there was a generosity that the world around them, what we're told in the book of Acts, were kind of intrigued by that. Because that's like, that's a holy behavior. That's generous. Wow. I mean, so boldness, they were generous. Uh, they were forgiving. They didn't condemn. They didn't yell at the Jewish or the people who had crucified you. They, they invited them. Hey, you know, you can, you can follow Jesus too. Uh, there was a lot of power going on in the book of Acts. Demons that were cast out, people that were healed, angels showing up. And this is not just something that was for then and that time only. But holy people, these are ordinary men and women, but they were holy and because and what holy people were doing in these situations, they were involved in healing, battling against Satan, casting out demons, and seeing incredible things happen, helping other people be made alive, awake, and free. Because alive, awake, and free people are used by God to help others become alive, awake, and free. All right? Uh, you see integrity off the map. I mean, they're, like, they're full of integrity. They're full of truthfulness. They're fearless. These people are fearless. Again, they're threatened by the authorities. Paul gets stoned numerous times to the point of death. They get up and keep doing it. They, they no longer care about the opinions of others. I don't know about you, but I would love to live life that way. I would love to live life where I no longer care about what people think about me. I only care about what am I doing? Am I doing what God asked me to do? That's, that's holy. That's holy people. Uh, they, were, they were, another thing they did in the book of Acts, they were outside the box thinkers. Because they had been told their whole life, only these people are going to be acceptable to God, the Jews. All right? And then God starts showing them, no, bringing them to the Gentiles and the Samaritans and people that were outside of their box. So they began to be receptive to God saying, no, this is going to be way different than what you thought it was going to be. But do whatever I ask you to do. Holy people are willing to think outside the box, take risks, engage in adventure because God sent you on those kind of things. That's what, anything but dull, anything but boring, anything but bland. If anything, there was a lot of risk going on. And then one last thing I'll say about what characterized holy people was 
joy. I mean, the apostles, at one point, I think they were whipped or so many times they're getting whipped and stoned, it's like blows you away. And then it says, then they went away rejoicing. They were full of joy. And I'm just like, how can I be that kind of person? I'd love to be that kind of person. That when suffering and difficulty happens in my life because of the name of Jesus, not because of being a jerk, but because of the name of Jesus, I have this deep well of joy that no matter what's going on around me, I have this sense of joy and peace, regardless of circumstances around me. So here you have you know, boldness, generosity, supernatural power, fearlessness, integrity, outside-the-box risk, and joyfulness. That's what holy people do. That's what, they, that's what they're like. Now, don't get me wrong. They weren't perfect. I mean, we're told in the book of Acts they had some tension. Paul and Barnabas had such an f- argument about something. They parted ways. They're still human. They're still in process. There was time where some of them criticized others for going outside the box farther than they thought they should have. They're human, but they're being made holy. And you see this sense of, I mean, like, I think I mentioned sure this a couple weeks ago. When I read about the apostles going out after they were flogged and then doing it again the next day, one of my first thoughts was, how do you raise kids to be that way? How can I become that way? But how do I raise my four kids? How do we raise the children of Exodus Church to have that kind of holiness? Not the holiness that's pious and holier than thou and condescending and critical of others. Not that kind of holiness. The holiness that's alive, awake, and free to the spiritual world. But also grounded in what's happening in the real world. Now, that's what these people were like. And again, that's what I said. There's not one of us here, I don't think, that wouldn't say, I'd love to have my life look like that. But what I said earlier, the nature of holiness is... You are set apart from one way of living to live a whole new way. And we always say, I love that. That's what I want to do. But we have to consider, though, part of holiness is leaving behind those things that keep us from being these kind of people. Let's look at the book of Acts in that way. Early on in the book of Acts, some people brought some money to the apostles and said, hey, here's some money. We're going to be generous like everybody else. And this is all the money we got for the land. We sold this land and this is all of it. They were lying. They sold the land and they only gave part of it. They kept part for themselves. And it wasn't that they kept part for themselves. It was they were telling others, this is all of it. We sold our land. This is all of it. Ananias and Sapphira were their name. Because what they were concerned about was image management. They wanted to look good in their religious community. And this is one of those times in the Bible where it's like, wow, because God strikes them dead. Because God wants nothing to do with people that are obsessed with image management and looking good in the religious sense. And they were deceptive so they could look good. Now, let's be honest. A lot of us, self-included, we, kind of, we can still live, we still do live hypocritical lives. We maybe have our church face or our Christian friend face because we want to be perceived well by our fellow Christians. But we have our kind of our real heart face that we know if people really knew what was going on, it would be a lot uglier than what it is. So holiness means leaving things behind. In one case, it's leaving behind Deceitfulness about yourself, inauthenticity, and a desire to be impressive to other people. And God takes it seriously, serious enough that he, he didn't want that to be any part of the original holy people. And they die. All right, later on in the book of Acts, uh, there's a story about a man, Simon, not one of the disciples, Simon. And he is so impressed with these guys' power. They're healing people. They're casting out demons. He's like, hey, 
how much money will it cost me to get that power? Can you lay your hands on me and give me that power? And uh, one of the apostles who was there sternly looks at this man and says, you know, basically may God not May God not destroy you for saying that. And then he says, because you were full of bitterness and jealousy. And again, let's, bitterness and jealousy is not what holy people let stay in their lives. God didn't kill this man, Simon. But there was a seriousness about the fact that if you're getting into this Christian thing because you want power or you want something that's really more about you, that's not holiness. That's just kind of self-centeredness. If, if there's bitterness and jealousy in your life toward other people, that's not holy. That's unholy, and God wants nothing of that. And you won't become the kind of complete, alive, awake, and free person if you let that stay unchecked in your life. Later on in the book of Acts, the Gentiles come to know Christ. Now, again, the, the Gentile, that's like, whoa, they're the, they're the dirty ones. They're not righteous. They're not holy people. But they start becoming followers of Jesus. And the, the Jews are kind of, well, wait, wait a minute. What about all these Jewish laws in the book of the Old, in the old, in our old Testament about meat and hoofed, hoofed animals and not cooking a young goat in its mother's milk and all these kind of religious and so they have to decide, the Jewish leaders have to decide, okay, well, the Jewish Christian leaders, well, what do we require of these Gentiles? Because they're not Jews, they're followers of Jesus. We don't need to make them just like us. And they, they say there's two things they tell the Gentiles. Here's two things. Here's two things you have to leave behind if you're a follower of Jesus. Number one, you have to leave behind the eating of meat sacrificed to idols. In other words, leave behind idolatries. Leave behind those things that you give energy to that you think give you life that don't give you life. And in their case, it was stone idols and things like that. In our case, other things like, you know, money and entertainment, things like that that we think give us our life. The other thing they said Gentiles had to leave behind was sexual immorality. If you want to be a holy person, sexual immorality has no place in your life. None. Zero. And that's, I, that's the hardest thing for a lot of us to leave behind because we think that gives us life. We think that makes us alive, awake, and free when it actually makes us dead and slaves. So if you're somebody here today who wants to be this kind of alive and awake and free person, but you're not willing to let go of deceitfulness, image management, um, Envy, bitterness, jealousy, sexual morality, idolatry. You've got to leave that behind if you want to be this. So it's not like God's just saying, okay, here's what Christians don't do. No, he's like, here's what I want followers of Jesus to be like, alive, awake, and free. You can't do that if you want to hold on to these things. You can't. Go back to the next slide here. Jesus prays, make them holy. But let me finish the sentence here. Next slide. Make them holy by your truth. Your word is truth. So in essence, what Jesus is praying is, God, would you make them holy by the truth? Your word is truth. In essence, not just use the Bible, but use what you've already told us and continue to speak to these people and make them holy by speaking to them about things in their lives that need to be gone. 
because we're made holy by the truth. Anybody can, I mean, there's, there's tons of subcultures, even in Bloomington alone, that are different set-apart people. But if you want to be set apart in the way that God says to be alive, awake, and free, you've got to let the truth of God and the words of God be what changes you. Not your own understanding, not even your own sense of what's right and wrong, but the Spirit of God speaking to you through the Word, through the Bible, is what will set you free. So here's the question of the morning I'll end with. What is God saying to you lately about the obstacles to holiness in your life? And here, please understand me. I'm not trying to be like heavy legalistic and whatever. I'm saying I don't think any of us here don't want to be these kind of people, alive, awake, and free. But are you willing and will you allow God and the Spirit of God to have the freedom to speak his word of truth to you about whatever it is in your life that's an obstacle from being this. Because you see in the book of Acts, the obstacles are removed, and when the obstacles are removed, alive, awake, and free. Some of you, when you see this question pop on the screen, there may have been something right away that you know. You've known for a long time that was something you needed to give up. Others of us, may just need to be open this week to things that God may say, hey, now that you're asking, you know, God may say to us, now that you're asking, there is something I want to show you that is keeping you from being fully alive, fully awake, and fully free to, so I can use you so others can be fully alive, fully awake, and fully free. Are you willing to deal with those small things that Jesus might point out to you? Not for the sake of Jesus beating you to the ground, because Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus wants you to be alive, awake, and free. That's what he's praying for. Make them holy. God, make them holy. Make them alive, awake, and free. Make them full of passion. Make them full of fearlessness. Make them bold. Make them pure. Make them whole. Make them weighty. That's what he's saying. So I don't know what that looks like for you this week. I don't know. There are some of you that maybe you know already. I got to take a step and give that up. And the other thing, others of us, all of us need to simply be aware and say, God, search me, oh God, know my heart. Is there anything in me that's blocking your full flow work of alive, awake, and free in me? The next slide here. We take communion every Sunday. And we, uh, what we say is anybody is welcome at the table of Jesus who's willing to let Jesus do whatever he wants in your life. I was reading a book this week and somebody defined the pathway to holiness as simply saying this. Here's my life, God. No conditions. That's the pathway to holiness. Here's my life, God. No conditions. I'm not holding on to this, this, or this. I'm not giving you 99%. I'm not giving you 99.5%. All that I know of myself, I'm giving to you. I may not know it all, but all that I know of myself, I'm giving to you. 100%. All right. All that I know of myself, I'm giving to you. Anybody who has that attitude and that spirit is welcome this morning. Again, knowing that we don't know all of ourselves. God's going to show us new things. But all that you know of yourself, you're saying, Jesus, all that I know of myself, I'm going to follow you. No conditions. And we, and we do this. We take the bread and the cup and we take it into ourselves physically as a symbolic but a mystical kind of reality because of what the Bible tells us. Hebrews chapter 10 for God's will was for us to be made holy, alive, awake, and free. 
by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Because the context of this passage is, in the old Jewish system, it was like every year, every day, they had to redo it again, redo it again, and guilt never went away. Do it again, do it again, do it again. Pay off your guilt, pay off your guilt, pay off your guilt. But he's saying once for all time, by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. One offering. The life of Jesus opens up a whole new avenue for us to be made holy. Not for us to be impressive people, but to be made holy. Here's how we do it at Exodus. Uh, We take, we'll sing a couple more songs. Jeremy will lead us. Uh, As we start singing, you're just welcome to come on up. We don't dismiss by rows. We don't ask whether you're a part of Exodus or not. Again, the only condition is all that you know of yourself are you willing to give to Jesus. No conditions. Anybody's welcome. Perfection is not the standard. If that was the case, nobody would take. All right. We offer you the bread. There'll be somebody to each child. Offer you the bread. Tear off a piece. Offer you the cup. And just dip it in the cup. We don't drink it out of it. Just dip it in there. Most people take it and eat it right here. Some people take it back to their seats. You're, it's your option on that. No, no protocol there. Um, same, if during this time, you kind of feel like I, I want to get baptized, go talk to Dan. Uh, uh, if you want people to pray for you in the room over the side, there's a room that says prayer. You're invited to go over there. Anybody can go over there for any reason of prayer. Maybe it's related to today's sermon. Maybe it's not. But we encourage you to do that as well because there's maybe some of you just need to let go of something and you need somebody to pray that God would help you give, have that courage to do that. We're not assuming that you go there. That's what your issue is. But that may be some of your issue today is courage. Courage to do the right thing and to follow Jesus and let go of the garbage that's keeping you held back from being alive, awake, and free. All right? Let me pray. Jesus, we are grateful that by your sacrifice one time, once for all, that our guilt is atoned and that forgiveness is not just a hope, it's now a reality. And so we're grateful, Jesus, that you offer us your body and your blood and you say, do this and remember me. Remember that I came to make you holy, to make you alive, awake, and free. And we're grateful, Jesus, that that's what you are even now praying for us to be, holy people. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.